0: Tonight, I'm going to be sharing on, on seeking the kingdom of God. So we're going to actually be teaching a lot of, out of Matthew chapter 6. That's where we'll spend the majority of time. So if you want to hop in in Matthew chapter 6, that'd be great. Um, and so, you know, how this message came about in, in our room, so when we moved into our house, we, we got this I don't know what it is. It's like an artwork thing. But it says, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And for some reason recently, like this whole kingdom thing like has been on my mind and I've just not, I've just been studying it out um, and haven't been able to shake it. So, you know, I thought, okay, um, no better way to learn something than to have to teach it. Because when you have to teach something, you definitely, you know, are a lot more intent on, on what it is that you're learning and so forth. And, it was kind of funny, uh, earlier today, so Hisan Darnell's wife, is, is one of the trainers at her gym, and she's putting together one of the workouts, and I was like, okay, I wonder what other people think about the kingdom of God. So, of course, she being the guinea pig, and Jane knows how this goes. She used to be in that position. So I went out, and I said, Heesan, what, uh, what do you know about the kingdom of God? And, of course, you know, like, well, what do you mean? And, you know, so I gave her a few more tips or whatever, but just what do you think about when you think of kingdom of God? And so we visited a little bit about it and stuff, and then, Melissa came in, and, and she, she had some ideas as well. Both wrong. You know, had, had some idea. Um, but, you know, and, and here's the interesting thing, though. You know, when you think about Jesus being our example and what he taught, you know, what are some of the things that, that Jesus taught when, when he walked the earth here and so forth? Love. Kingdom of God and repentance were the two biggest things. You know, most people think love, acceptance, you know, if, if he was truly preaching love and acceptance in those things, wouldn't you think he would have a massive following? By the time, you know, he he ascended, there, was, there wasn't a lot of people following him. And, and even in the end, when he said, are you ready to, to eat my flesh and drink my blood, even his own 12 disciples, they were, you know, he was like, are you guys going to take off too? And I think they were kind of like, well, we would, but we don't know where else we would go, you know? So... Again, it wasn't like his message was real attractive and, and, you know, he got a lot of followers. But again, repentance and the kingdom of God. So if, that's, if he talked about the kingdom of God, you know, don't you think that that is an important thing that we need to learn and, and recognize? I mentioned, you know, a, a couple weeks ago that in America, you know, we're a democracy, we're, we're a republic. So we don't have a king. We don't have a dictator or a ruler. So we're not set up like that. So we don't really understand how a kingdom operates. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about here a a, a little bit tonight, because again, Jesus being our example, we need to learn how the kingdom of God operates, you know, when it is, where it is, you know, all of that stuff. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, you know, this is is Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. In verse 10, he says, your kingdom come. So there it is, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He goes on to say it again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this was the form, the format of prayer that that he taught his disciples how to pray. And he mentioned the kingdom two times. You know, you think about all the other stuff he mentioned in there, but, you know, again, it is pretty important, so it's, it's something that we need to learn. You know, our main text that we'll study out of is, is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I mentioned it earlier. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, I heard a, a guy say, if you put God first, everything else will come your way. But again, it's, it's having your priorities in line and, and, and things straightened out. Now, there's two major hindrances to the word of God. The main hindrances are are number one religion and number two tradition so again, you know you 've got this religion and tradition that that a lot of time will come against the kingdom of god and and you know traditions of man, um, religious acts and so forth rather than than you know digging into the Bible and figuring out exactly what it says now I grew up in a in a denominational church right in here about kingdom and, and what a kingdom was at all. I may have heard of maybe the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God may have been spoken of in a scripture like I just read, but I know, I know it was never taught and never studied out. And you go, okay, well, well why was that? Well, it's traditions. You know? So you know, a church like this that is spirit-led you know, when Pastor Mike is studying, he is seeking God's face. He's, he's God, what, what would you have me to speak to the people? What would you have me to share with the people? And it was kind of like Sunday morning. You know, he took the 8.30 service, I took the 10.30 service because I wanted to get out of town early, and again, I said this Sunday, but when I asked him, okay, what did you share on? He said, I shared on freedom. And that was the same message I had, was freedom. And we didn't talk ahead of time. That's the Holy Spirit that does that. Where traditions or religion, a lot of times they'll have you know, the messages spelled out a year in advance on, on what it is that you're going to teach and so forth. And, and I'm not saying all, all of them are bad. But again, it just kind of boxes God in or boxes the Holy Spirit in. You know, and don't we want to hear what God has to say, right? You don't want to come in here and I don't want to hear what I have to say. You want, we want to hear what, what God has to say. And a lot of, I'll tell you, this message is for me just as much as it is for you. But, um, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, about traditions. So you think about traditions. You think about, I heard the story of a, of a young girl, maybe eight or nine years old, um, and it was Christmas time. And she goes in the kitchen and, and she sees her mom, She's co- going to cook the Christmas ham. And so her mom cuts, you know, both ends of the ham off, puts it in the pan, and puts it into the oven. And the little girl says to her mom, she said, Mom, what, why did you cut both ends of the, the ham off before you put it in the pan? And her mom said, you know, I guess I don't really know. I, I, I saw my mom doing that, and I guess that's just what I saw and, and what she taught me, and, and uh, so that's what I did. And, and she goes, if you want to know, you know, Grandma's sitting in the, the living room out there, why don't you go ask her? So she walks out there and she says, hey, Grandma, you know, I just saw Mom cutting both ends of the ham off before she put it in the pan. She said she saw it from you and learned it from you. Uh, You know, why is that? And Grandma said, you know what, I I, I don't know. I guess I learned it from my mom. You know, and and her mom is sitting across across the way there. She goes, why don't you go over there and ask great-grandma? And so the little girl goes over to great-grandma and, you know, she's old and she's kind of sitting there. And and, and the little girl says to her, great-grandma. Why'd you cut off both sides of the ham? You know, before you put it in the oven, and and I watched Mama do it, and and Grandma did it, and now, you know, they said that she learned it from you from great grandma. And great grandma looks at her, and she said, Oh, honey, the pan was too small. (laughs) Right? So, why do we do what we do? And we got to ask questions. With our kids, you know, obviously I'm super analytical. I ask why all the time. Our youngest son asks why. We're always Googling things. That is a good thing. As a parent, don't just say, because I said so. Your kids need to learn, and you're the best example to learn from. But again, we've got to get over the traditions of men and the religious stuff, and we've got to stick to this book. Amen? Amen. So religion, I mean, you know, you talk tradition, you talk religion. Religion seeks to take earth to heaven. Think about that. Religion seeks to take earth to heaven. You think about the Tower of Babel and all the different things like that, where when you flip that around... Um, the kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth and there's a big difference there. God wanted to bring his kingdom down here to earth and we know the story, you know, Adam and Eve originally, so so God was the original king of of the universe, he creates the earth, he puts Adam and Eve in the earth and he just wanted to be their father, he just wanted to have a family and so he came to earth and obviously, you know, once again they messed things up and, and, and then mankind wanted to have an earthly king but it was never set up to be that way. You know, it was never set up to, to have democracies and socialism and communism and all that stuff. It was always set up originally. You can always look at the original kingdom of God by going back to Adam and Eve and looking about, at how they lived and, and acted and, and, and walked around. I mean, they had it made. Amen? But they messed things up, and here we are. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he says, "'Your kingdom come, your will be done. whereat at? "'On earth as it is in heaven.'" So again, the kingdom is trying to get heaven down here to earth. That's the main thing. So the goal tonight is, is really to answer this question. What when, what, when, and where is the kingdom? And I really want you to walk out of here knowing whether or not you're seeking the kingdom of God or not. That's, that's the big thing, you know, and, and there's seasons where we're really pressing in and we're seeking the, the kingdom of God, and then there's seasons where we relax a little bit. It's that way in every area of life. I mean, working out, you know, getting fit. It, it's not just this linear improvement over time. There's ups and downs with things, but again, it's always holding the mirror up and going, okay, how am I doing right now? You know, asking yourself those tough questions. Am I actually seeking the kingdom of God? So this word seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So seek means attempt to find or a desire to obtain. So we're attempting to find the kingdom of God and and we desire to obtain it. It's a constant attitude to actively and constantly seek for a thing. And that word constantly it's it's being intentional, it's consistent, it's an action verb, it's 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 day after day after day. Again, it's not, you know, the word that you read last week, last month, or last year. That's why it's so important to every day get in this. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, when the, the Israelites were out in the in the wilderness, they could only take enough manna for a twenty-four hour period if they took any more than that. It would spoil, right? And it's the same, it's constantly seeking the kingdom of God, constantly being in this book and pursuing it. It's studying it out. It's exploring it. It's trying to understand it and really getting to know how it works. And really seeking first, it's all about priorities. You know, your priorities on, on you know, what you have prioritized in life. What is most important to you? And a lot of times we read over the scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And we want to skip over the first part and get right to the second part and have all the things without seeking God and his righteousness. Amen? And you think about that. You know, many people, and I've fallen into this boat, where, where I seek the principles of faith in God's word to assist me in, in becoming successful. You know, successful in life and, and with the things that I want, but see the plan here is not to build our kingdom it's to build his kingdom here on earth and there's a difference it's it's a it's a different priority it's a it's a different shift in there and the more kingdom minded we are the more quickly we're all going to work together and the more quickly his kingdom will come down here on earth and right now with all the the division whether it's in politics or or all this stuff that's going on all the division and strife and things that are going on you can tell that that king you know God's kingdom is not operating real strong here on earth as a whole, amen? amen. So um, if we focus on the kingdom, then everything else is gonna be added, right? Many times, again, we read past, right past that and, and it's a priority thing. You know, I think of, you know, back when I was in business, or, or I'll talk about fitness, a lot of people that come into the gym, they wanna lose weight. So that's the end result. So they wanna skip right to losing weight. And I'm always like, hey, we gotta back up here. Our, our number one goal is energy, Energy leads to making better food choices, leads to moving more. So then when they're drinking more water instead of pop and coffee and things like that, when they're eating breakfast and getting good nutrition in throughout the day, they have more energy and they start working out more. They strength train or are or, or more active. They park their car away from the, the building rather than, you know, right up against the building. You know, they take the, eleva- or the stairs rather than the elevator, all of those things. So all of those things, if they do those things, are going to result in losing weight. But what do we want to do? We want to short-circuit things, right? We want to cut right to the chase and, and you know, do some quick-fix, whatever, and, and do things whether it makes sense or not. You know, A cabbage soup diet or a weekend fast and, and thinking that it's going to you know, take the 30 pounds off that took you know, 30 months to gain and it's not going to come off immediately. But it's that mentality that we have. And a lot of times it's the same way with the Scripture again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's not all the things are going to be added to, unto you without seeking Him and, and spending spending time with Him. There's a, a famous psychologist. Uh, his last Abraham Maslow is is his name, and he came up with what's called the hierarchy of needs. And and God knows that we have needs. Okay, there's nothing wrong with having needs, right? You know, the they always talk about three minutes. Three days, three months. You can go three minutes without oxygen. You can go three days without water. You can go uh, three weeks, excuse me, without food. And he talks about these hierarchy of needs. Need number one is water, then food, then clothes, then housing. That's like our personal needs that, that all of us are seeking after. We go out and get jobs so that we can provide for these needs. Number five is protection. You know, it gets into some higher level stuff. Then it's, then it's security. Then it's self-preservation. Then it's self-actuation. I had to, actualization, I had to look that up. It's the psychological process aimed at maximizing the use of a person's abilities and resources. So basically, realizing what your abilities and resources are and, and you know, walking them out. And then the ninth one is significance. And none of these are wrong, okay? But again, as human beings, apart from God, if we seek these, rather than seeking the kingdom first, we're going to have things out of priority. So again, we got to ask, ask ourselves, what, what is God's priorities here? And if we go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, therefore I say unto you, so this is backed up from verse 33, he says, I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, there it is, what you will drink, there's the first two needs, nor about your body, what you will put on, say that to a woman, you know, don't worry about clothes, amen. <laughs> Um, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, Melissa? Matthew 6.31, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying. Never say it out. There's, there's, there's so much principle in this. When, What's the first thing that happens when you wake up not feeling good? you got a headache or, or something's hurting or whatever. You can't wait for your spouse to come out to start running your mouth about how bad you feel, Right? Man, I got a headache. Man, I don't feel good. You know, I'm coming down with something. And and it seems like the moment we speak that out, it gets worse and worse and worse because there's power in our words, right? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, or, or another version says, the pagans seek after. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, here it is again, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So once again, those nine things that I lifted listed off, they're all gonna be added unto you as long as we are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But it's it's needing to know, okay, how, how do I seek the kingdom of God? First, let's touch on the word righteousness and then we'll come back and talk through this kingdom. So righteousness simply means right standing with the governing authority or obeying the laws. It means to be rightly positioned. It's really a a positional thing with an authority or a government. So who is the authority in the kingdom of God? God, exactly. So we want to be you know, standing rightly or, or rightly positioning position with God. And how do we get rightly positioned with God? It's through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We make Jesus Lord of our lives. We repent of our sins. We accept Jesus as our Savior. And at that moment, we're justified just as if I'd never sinned, and we are in right standing with God. And if we miss the mark, it's coming back to him and, and asking for forgiveness and so forth. Um, but that is that positioning, that righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 says this, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What this is saying is it matters how you live and the choices that you make. You know, nowadays, again, it, it's, we can live any kind of way, do anything we want to do, but again, that's not, that's not, what, God, that's not what Jesus preached. You know, there, there is a line that we've got to toe, and again, we're saved by grace through faith, but once we're saved... As a result of that, good works should follow. And perfection in the Bible means maturity. And you're constantly on this maturing. As you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're spending time in the word, spending time coming to the church, around other believers, listening to to messages, whether it's pastor's messages or messages on YouTube or whatever it is, that is growing you in maturity. And you're making that choice to listen and, and put that stuff in, Versus Fox News, CNN, spending all day on Facebook and that stuff negatively affecting you and, and, and that'll definitely pull you in the wrong direction. Can I get an amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And isn't that an awesome thing? We always confess that scripture. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But here's the deal with that. That should not lift us up in pride if anything that should it should humble us it should it should put us on our knees that you think about that he made him who knew no sin jesus had no sin he made him to be sin for us so that we could be be become the righteousness of god in him it's amazing it's an amazing thing that of what god did for us but again it should humble us and make us press into god more because he he took the first step he gave to us first right and in return, we're, we're to serve him. So that's righteousness there. Then we get into to, to kingdom. So Romans chapter 14, verse 17 through 18. So the kingdom of God. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. There we have it again, the basics, the eating and drinking. But it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Who wants to be pleasing to God? Amen. Says, it says anyone who serves Christ in this way, not worrying about eating and drinking, but worrying about being, not worrying about, but being intentional about being righteous, peace, full of peace, and full of joy in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as you all know, is the one who gives us the, the power to be able to do that. And why is that? So the world can see that there's something different of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven versus the world system. And those are the two different systems we're talking about tonight. You know, when you got born again, you came out of that world system and got saved into God's kingdom. But again, it's, it's understanding what the kingdom is. So kingdom simply means a king's dominion or, or a king's domain. They're in charge, they're ruling and controlling, and they're, they're reigning over, they're reigning over an area. And once again, it's not religion, it's not a democracy, and it's not a republic. And that's why a lot of times, again, we have a hard time figuring out what is the kingdom of God. We confess the scripture, but we don't ask why. Or what, is it, what does it actually mean? And that's all, God just wants to spend time, he'll teach you. You know, just like he's been downloading stuff to me that I haven't, I haven't seen before. And, and I'm, it's just like a sponge, and, and that's what God wants. Imagine, you know, if you're a parent with your kid, and your kid just coming up and asking you questions about how you do, do things, and sitting down with your child, and teaching your child, you get great joy out of that. Amen? As long as they listen. And it's the same way with us. Thankfully, God doesn't get as frustrated with us as we do with, with our kids. Amen? So it's the area over which, which kings reign. Uh, whatever the king rules over, impact, he, he impacts that area with his will, with his purpose, and, with, and, and his intent is to produce citizens, us citizens, or people who express his culture and reflect his nature. So a, a kingdom... It simply produces people who are a reflection of the king. And our king is Jesus. And we're to be a reflection of that, the kingdom of God. And our king is Jesus. And we're to, we're to be walking, talking, you know, hands and feet of Jesus with the Holy Spirit directing us and leading us each and every day. And it's real simple if you think about it. A lot of times we just make it complicated or we don't do anything. You know, I was in the gym the other day and, and there was this young gal that... Um, she was on vacation, and she, she was like cliff jumping or something like that. And she jumped off this cliff. She jumped too far, and she ended up banging her knee. Um, and it like swelled up. And, you know, I knew. I knew I was supposed to pray for her. And I just, I had it in me. There was two gals that had been longtime members, and, and one of our other trainers, James, was sitting there. And the Holy Spirit even said, I'll do a miracle in her so that these two ladies, you know, that go to a, a traditional church can see it. And it wasn't like an audible voice, but I just knew it in my spirit, and, and I neglected it. And so I miss it too. I mean, we all miss it at times. But again, it's, it's stepping into that, and listening to the Holy Spirit, and then having the courage you know, to do what it is that, that, you know, I mean, what was she going to say to me? No. I mean, hey, I want to lay hands on your knees so your knee be healed. You know, if she's struggling with it, of course she would have said yes. But I just didn't have the courage and the, and the guts to step up and do it at the time. Because I got out of the habit of doing it. You know, and we get complacent. We get, we get lazy in this stuff. Amen? Amen? Want to sit in our room and, and read our Bible and listen to our stuff. And we just get full and full and full and full. But we never have an outlet. And we need to have an outlet. Yes, Amen? Amen? So what is God ruling over right now? And, you know, some people would say everything. Is God ruling over everything right now? When you look at the earth and the world and what's going on right now, is God ruling and in control over everything? What would you say? Yes or no? No, he's not. We use the expression all the time. You know, God's in control. Hey, you know what? I know you're going through something, but God's in control. That is a tradition. That doesn't come out of the word of God. It comes out of man's mouth. It's just a tradition that people have said and that people you know, use, and it's not true. So if, if God were in control, would he be in control of everything he ate yesterday? Is he in control over the evil? Is he in control over the, the, the disease, this, this coronavirus thing? Is he in control over this racism and, and all this stuff that's going on? Is he control, in control all of this stuff? The answer is no. But there is coming a time when he is going to be in, in control over this, when he is going to rule and reign. And the Bible says when Jesus returns, every knee will bow, And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. They won't have a choice at that time. But we have a choice now. And every day, it's up to us to choose whether we choose life or whether we we choose death. And in heaven, you know, there is no war. There is no famine. There's no stealing, killing, or or destroying because, again, God is in complete control there. And the awesome thing is, is one day he will be in complete control here. And we're going to be a part of that as long as we stay the course. Amen. Amen. So, where is God reigning when you think about it? He is reigning in every heart. Amen. If you're a born again Christian, if you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, He's reigning in your life. Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Now, when," when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. So, again, the Pharisees, Jesus talked about the kingdom so much that the Pharisees are like, Where is this kingdom? Like, when is it going to come? I mean, you keep talking about it, but like, when is it going to come? And here's what Jesus said He said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. You can't see that's kingdom. Nor will they say, See here or or, see there. Again, it's not over here or over there. He says, For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Right? So the kingdom of God is within us when we get born again, when we get filled with the Spirit. Again, we're to be the ones out laying hands on the sick so that they will recover. That's not pastor's job. It's their job when when we're in here, but we're to be extensions of them when we're outside here in the marketplace, laying hands on the sick, getting people delivered, getting people saved, getting people filled with the Holy Spirit so we can multiply the kingdom of God. That's all God wants is to have a family. And when you get saved, it wasn't for you to get saved just for yourself. It was to multiply this thing. You know, and somebody, you know, Stan Van Dyne sitting in the back there, he thought enough about me many, many years ago around 1998, 1999, where he invited as too mild of a word. He compelled slash drug me to church (laughs) where I was able to hear about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's the same thing that we're to be doing whether you're bringing them to church or 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 whether whether we're building the kingdom you know outside of the church it's just thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven simple teaching but are we doing it once again and and I'll stand at the 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 front of this line the awesome thing is is when you get born again you transition out of Satan's kingdom and into God's kingdom and in, into his system but you know it's it's teaching the new person, how does this kingdom operate? You know, it's not buying and selling, or tit for tat, tat, or, you know, I scratch your back, so now you owe me. No. It's sowing and reaping, and it's doing things out of love and and compassion with zero expectation in return. That was probably the hardest thing for me when I first started coming to church. I was like, why are these people so nice? Like, what do they want? Right? Because I was on the radio station, WIFM, what's in it for me. And everything that was just about me and my needs. And then you have these people here that, that love you and care about you and, and you know, call you up and, and it's like, it was unusual. But that's God's kingdom. We are not from here. We're strangers in a strange land. I was explaining that to our, our 17-year-old son. I, you know, Kind of the friends and just all the stuff that, that they go through as, as juniors and seniors in high school. And I said to him one day, I said, you know, are you kind of starting to figure out that you're not like the other kids like you, almost like you don't fit in and I, I said it, it stinks, but it's a good thing. I said, unfortunately, I never grew up as a teenage Christian male. I was a teenage Buckwild heathen male, so you know it was it was a lot different situation, but my responsibility is to teach him how to be a man of God you know and I, I told him, hey, there is a difference between how we operate in, in being God's children versus how the world operates and what it is that we get to do and so forth. And it's difficult because sin is fun for a season. But as his mom and I explained to him many times, we tell him the truth about the other side of sin, that it has repercussions and it's just not worth it. And what I wouldn't give to be able to go back at 17 years old you know, or 10 years old and, and be serving God my whole life rather than you know, the death and destruction that, that I caused, building Satan's kingdom rather than God's kingdom. You know, and then we get translated out of that kingdom that we were all so good at building the world's system, the kingdom, you know, Satan's kingdom, and then we come into God's kingdom, and a lot of times we don't do anything. And I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me, once again. It's like we need to be out as actively recruiting and building God's kingdom, just like we were doing Satan's kingdom. Amen? Amen? So if God's not reigning over you, who is? And you know the answer. It's the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, In whom the little G-God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now here's the deal. Satan is nothing compared to God. I mean, you think about it. God kicked... Two thirds of the angels out of, or excuse me, one third of the angels out of heaven, right? So that means there's still two thirds there. So every one of them, we have two. Plus, we've got God on our side, which again, you know, and when, when he k- kicks Satan out into our, outer darkness in the very end, when he, when he, you know, kicks him out for good, read what the Bible says. He basically just sends one of his angels to do it. You know, he's kind of like, hey, Joe, go over and kick Satan out. Satan is not a big deal. To God, We make him a lot bigger deal than, than what he really is. And just remember, the enemy or demons, whoever, they cannot hide God. But you know what they can do? They can blind you, right? You can be blinded to the truth. And you just always have to remember that and pray through that, that God would always remove the blinders. I remember when I got born again. I was so excited. I was like, it was like going from walking around in, in like a TV being in black and white to like going to Best Buy and seeing like the $10,000 high definition thing where you can like see into it. It was like, it was like the scales completely came off. And I remember how excited I was writing people letters from, from jail about, you know, my experience and how, you know, I just pretty much assumed by the way they were all living, they were heathens and going to hell. So I was talking about getting born again. I remember my mom she was like, hey, I've, I've prayed this prayer you know, many times. Like, stop condem- condemning me to hell. I'm, I'm on your side. And I was like, hey, I'm just excited. That's my whole thing. But we got to keep that excitement going. Amen? Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, it says, again, this is where you, know, you look at, at, at the world system and, and, and Satan's kingdom. It says, The devil took him up. So this is right after Jesus was baptized and he was led out into the desert to be tempted. The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And the devil said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So what is he offering him? Success, fame, authority. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And I'm telling you, in my own life, and maybe in your guys' life, before I was born again, the, Satan, you know, the enemy did that. He laid out, hey, you know, here's a life that, that I'll give you. And that's the biggest thing with our kids, with destiny, is it's like, God has a plan for all of their lives. It's plans to prosper them, to, to give them good success, but guess who also has a plan for their life? Guess who also is watching their life? And, and, and we are in this battle. We are in this battle. And I'll tell you, what I've really tried to do with my boys now is take them along when I minister. Like Noah, you know, I was able to take him along when Mike DeYoung and I ministered to those two guys down in, uh, around uh, Sioux Center or Rock Valley area a few weeks ago. And he was able to see some supernatural things going on. But again, if we're not laying hands on the sick, if we're not getting people saved, if we're not getting people delivered, and our kids never see us doing it, why would they want to do it? Why wouldn't they be, be attracted to the world rather than to, to, to God's kingdom? Right. Amen? Amen? So it's a challenge for us to step up and, and, and do what it is that we're truly called to do. And I'm telling you, the younger they are, they'll, they'll step right up into it. They're not embarrassed, they're not nervous, and it was super cool because at the end of our conversation, the one guy, because of course I can talk, as you figured out, the one guy said, you know, we've, we've heard Randy teach on this, he said, I want to hear from Noah. Because Noah was kind of sit, sitting in the back. You know, he was in the in the, the discussion and it was awesome. Noah said, he goes, he goes, I remember being at camp when I was like 14 years old. He was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he goes, I remember, you know, I was sitting there and, and the bus was just crazy after you know the day of camp. Like like people were praying in the Spirit, and I was kind of like, man, this is kind of crazy and didn't know, know what to do. And then this girl came back and asked him, Hey, do you want to come up and get filled with the Holy Spirit? And he goes, I I really couldn't say no. And he goes, I didn't know if anything was going to happen. He goes, I I went up there. They lay hands on me. And he goes, before I know it, I'm bawling and I'm praying in this language. I didn't even know what it was. He had a supernatural experience with God. And it was awesome because him telling this guy that story, that stirred his faith back up. But had I not brought him along in the situation, that opportunity would have never happened. So again, it's a challenge to us as parents to have our kids see us operate in the kingdom of God. Right. Amen? Amen? So the, the world system or Satan system versus, versus God's system. And, and during this season, obviously the Lord, he is allowing human beings to choose whether he reigns in life. Deuteronomy chapter, 13, 30, chapter 30, verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And it's like, he says, therefore, choose life. Like, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Wouldn't you think that we would just know to choose life rather than death and cursing? But he has to tell him. He says, therefore, because because I've put this before you, I'm telling you to choose life so that both you and your descendants, if the devil can't get on you, Who's he going to go after next? Your seed. You've been taught that. So that you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, it says, That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's it right there. Every day we've got a choice, and it's choosing the kingdom of God, and it's intentionally doing it. You know, it's, it's your priorities. When you wake up first thing in the morning, what's your first priority? I don't have my phone on me, but is it checking email and Facebook and all the things that are going on in the world? I tell you, that's a bad habit, but you can break it. Amen. We talked a few weeks ago about setting your timer for 10 minutes and praying in the Holy Spirit. And I've been disciplining myself to do that every day. And it's discipline. No, you know, we don't like to say that. We, you know, we hear people that, you know, I, I, I know with anything, it's working out, spiritual life, marriage, whatever. Discipline turns into a desire, turns into a delight. And you know, you, you compare yourself. Oh, I spent two hours with the Lord and it was just a delight. And, and then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I, it was five minutes and like my, you know, I fell asleep or whatever. And you, you compare yourself. But here's the thing. It's a progression. But we can also regress right. if we're not intentional about it if we're not disciplined. So it's praying in the Holy Spirit, reading God's Word. You know, Rick Renner, it was amazing when he was here, I'm like, this is pro- probably the best Bible, one of the best for sure Bible teachers in the whole world. Agreed? And I'm thinking like he's going to have just some like real complicated thing. He said, you know what? There's 31 days in the month, there's 31 Proverbs. Every day, read one Proverb. There's there's 150 Psalms, read Five psalms a day. So day one, read 31 or 1, 31, 61, 91, 121, so on and so forth. Day two, read Psalm 2. I heard it said like this. When you read the psalms, it's you crying out to God. And when you read the Proverbs, it's God telling you how to live and operate in this world. Because what? King Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, amen? amen. Those are some simple things to do every day. Be careful. The music you're listening to people you're hanging around, the conversations you're having, the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's all those things. We're, an, we're either an example for God's kingdom or we're an example for Satan. There is no middle ground. When you, when you are lukewarm and you're straddling the fence, always remember, guess who owns the fence? The devil does. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I don't love preaching messages like this because it challenges me. It challenges me to to do better, but I want to be challenged. You know, so many times in life we're just seeking comfort. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We want to be comfortable. Me and my needs supplied, my family's needs, food, water, shelter, clothes, all those things, and I'm good. And it ought not to be so. And in our own lives as well. Amen? Amen? We're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be out recruiting for him. Just remember that. Let that be burned in your heart, that you're constantly recruiting either for God or for the world. Amen?